Hello and welcome to the Skanon Podcast. Uh, we are back for another week in a kind of slightly slinkier mode in the sense that uh, there are two of us as opposed to our usual three slash four. Uh, so with me this week is... Grace. Yes. We're very svelte this Hello week. Hello be their name. Um, I will take that. That's not bad, is it? It's not bad at all. I uh, think that's probably the only religious thing you're going to get in this podcast. But uh, still, <laughs> pretty good. Uh, so we're going to do the usual stuff. There will be uh, film news top tens who doesn't enjoy those mm-hmm. and new releases but we'll start as we always do with uh, what we have watched this week Grace what do you got what have I watched well this is where we will also be um, even more spelt because I have watched very little this week I think oh. I only actually watched three things one of which was a new watch and the others were rewatches. so feel, anyway. feel free to expound at length Yes. Okay, so the new watch, um, as part of my continuing Scorsese adventure, was Casino, which I'm sorry to say I wasn't a huge fan of. And I do feel a little guilty saying that because the first hour or so I did really enjoy. Yeah. I thought the editing in particular in the first hour was spectacular. It moved so smoothly and so sultrily and the way it was put together was just gorgeous, which I suppose is no coincidence considering that the material that they're exploring in the first hour is very much like the good times so to speak when everything is being set up and money is flowing in and people are meeting each other and falling in love and you know in love in lust whatever you want to call it um basically everything is kind of i suppose positive might not be the the right word considering there's also a fair bit of you know blood and murder and stuff like that but um, pen by pen that did make me laugh. Yeah. I laughed a lot, in fact. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed that first hour and I really thought I was invested in where it was going. But thereafter, it kind of slowed a bit. And I mean, I think, objectively speaking, I can see why, you know, it kind of taking some, taking that second hour to be a little bit more indulgent and to look at kind of the more, the intricacies, I suppose, of day-to-day life and reality and that kind of... Um, universe or that kind of world whatever you want to call it like i can see why that makes sense and why you would move from kind of that glittering haze of the good times to something that's a bit more jarring and a bit more stark and so on but it just kind of lost me at that point and i think the problem that i have with stuff like this is that um whenever i watch characters like this who are essentially you know criminal overlords who are by definition profiting on at, at the expense of others um I don't know, like, I don't want to be that kind of boring person who doesn't like bad people on film because there's a lot of villainous characters and anti-heroes and so on yep. that I could cheer for. But there's something about this kind of thing that just makes me really uncomfortable. And when I'm watching it, I just find it so hard to develop even like a base level of empathy for people who are like this because it just feels like, especially when it's set up in the context of a three hour long very indulgent movie um it just feels like it's inviting you to sort of look at the characters in a certain way or to have time for them in a way that i'm just not really willing to acquiesce to so i mean that that's a personal preference by all means you know i don't think this is a poorly made film or even necessarily that it's like endorsing or glamorizing this lifestyle i don't 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 really get that vibe off at all but just for me kind of looking at characters like this i just found myself thinking of how much i didn't care about what happened to them and yeah. you know the various awful things that that started to go down i was like i'm just so not invested in this and I, I probably should have been considering i was really into that first hour but it just kind of lost me at that point and then the last hour or so i guess um 
it did sort of pick up a wee bit because that's when it becomes more about the consequences obviously the tragedy and, of it or yeah and, and yeah. you know just the human tragedy of it and one thing i will say is that the story the ginger storyline sharon stone's character did affect me in that way because you know she's one of the only she's well she's the, the only, only the female only character. character as well yeah and the, the only female character is yes. explored in any depth yeah. and also someone that you can have a certain degree of empathy for because you can you get some sort of sense of her background and the circumstances that would have created or turned her into the person that she is and and how that that's you know quite moving really when you think about it and then especially the way that plays out with her own daughter and this sense of sort of a self-perpetuating and inevitable tragedy yeah. like that that did get to me in a sense but everything that was happening around it i just wasn't hugely invested in which i think is kind of a shame because it did it looked really good like it was really beautiful like i'm gonna say this four million times as we go through scorsese back catalog but it was beautifully shot and i really like the thought and the level of kind of precision that goes into the stylistic yeah. choices and how it ten tends to reflect the theme and um, suit the characters and yeah. you know it's clear that it's everything is there for a reason which is really nice to see um, but yeah I think maybe if it was a little bit shorter I would have been on board but I just I don't know it, it just kind of lost me at one point and I just could not get myself back into it no, that, I couldn't, it kind I of a couldn't shame. get that like and mm. I said I, I, we've had discussions this week I, I've mm -hmm. seen it like probably half a dozen times this stage and I saw in the cinema that came out all those years ago jesus 24 years ago i think um they all passed in the blink of an eye they, they bloody did but <laughs> the thing with casino is like there's a lot of people that didn't like it when it came out and didn't like it on first watch mm -hmm. and i'm not advocating that you know you should watch it on some or al approves like you watch it 10 times and you love it it's not that no i do love it on re subsequent rewatch and i really yeah. like when it came out and i do think there's a lot of interesting things in that area you're talking about and but i can take the point though it does change up and if you can go with the change up, mm -hmm. it'll probably work a lot better for you. I, there, there's so many little um, moments that really fascinate me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, we discussed this about the idea of that kind of um, gangster money and corporate money yeah. handover, which really interests me. And I think it puts it closer in spirit to Wolf of Wall Street rather than Goodfellas which was compared to at the time I think Goodfellas is a completely different um, yeah that's interesting space. to me too because like Goodfellas is one of the only Scorsese movies I had seen before I started yes. this little season and like superficially I can see the similarities just in terms of kind of like the lifestyle that's portrayed and obviously the writer is and the, the same person well, yeah. and the actors yeah. obviously there's some overlap but in terms of you know the themes that they're going for and even the way that it's all executed it didn't actually feel very similar to me yeah and I, and it, so, I don't think it does yeah. uh, I think that's a fair point and um, there's wonderful little touches that I really like like uh, that scene in the cornfield where uh, his character yes where he's stopped mid finally conversation. gets his comeuppance but he, like he's literally his, his voiceover stopped by a smack at a baseball bat yeah like mm -hmm. literally uh, at the moment which I Scorsese is extremely good at that kind of stuff of awareness of film of mm -hmm. character points is like this is your end point you don't get another say you know mm -hmm. you know you're done and gets the worst death him and his brother um, I, I, I find it remarkable but I I do understand that A I'm a massive Scorsese fan and B I, I've kind of I there's a part of my brain that obsesses about the and you you kind of allude to it the detail and the the little moments all the time that really mm -hmm. kind of get me every time I watch it and I find new little bits in it and I think you're right about the ginger character 
I think it's alluded to, and the more I watch it, the more it's kind of the illusion alluding is much more explicit about that she was basically a kid and uh, James Woods was a pimp when she was probably about 14 by the sounds of it. Like, yeah, it, as a so you have like a textbook, you know, abusive relationship. Yeah. And, and to see James Woods getting hiding is a really good fun thing. Oh, that's thing. very satisfying. That's, isn't it? No like, one's going to argue with that. No, I don't think so. I'd like, I, I take your points more and I think it's a, they're for, um, criticisms and I don't even think you're really particularly harsh. I think you're, it's a long film. It's a lot to commit to. Um, I think it works really, really well for me, but I, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. But they're, You've probably seen the longest Scorsese film up up until um, The Irishman, which will be <laughs> three hours and a half. Oh, well, minutes. Wolf of Wall Street is long. It's, a, it's, isn't a, it's it? probably about the same. Uh, it's probably about three hours. Uh, much more dynamic in a lot of ways, though, so you might fare with it yeah. better a little. But yeah. It, well, I it, suppose it, I'd be intrigued to compare that to Wolf of Wall Street in, in the sense that the latter is more contemporary. You know, I feel like this is. seems fairly familiar to me, but yeah. yeah mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really interesting one. I'd be curious to see it. And in the one of those things in inverted commas the way we are today uh, exactly. the Wolf of Wall Street is very interesting that we are but you know I'm, I'm not too disappointed not too heartbroken here yeah I, I do like the points that you make though about things like the voiceover because I really like the way that it's used in this yes. especially for that first hour where it's it's really is, it's almost like you sort of um, what's the word a showreel almost of, yeah. you know all of the good times which obviously you're just going to insert this very precise commentary and all of the stuff that you want to highlight and you think yeah. is important without kind of pausing for long yeah, enough yeah, yeah. to dwell in any of the good stuff because you know it's it's just a reflection of real life that after you've lived through something you tend to only remember the good well yeah, yeah. I mean not always but you know depending on the circumstances you can cherry pick yeah you will mostly remember positive things and then sort of edit out the stuff that you didn't like about something you know yeah. it's like idealising it um, and I think that comes across very strongly and even something like you were saying about the voiceover being cut off then mid-sentence when um, the character in question is being beaten up and then killed um, it's stuff like that where there's just such a, a clear understanding of the media on the film yes. and how to use stuff like that like that that is really refreshing to see because not that I'm in any way like you know like new filmmakers can't do it right like no they it, it's nothing like that but I think there are a lot of people who try to stretch film beyond maybe yeah stuff like that and it just it doesn't always work i think because i think when you have something like this which is a much more natural sense and understanding of the medium and, and how the story is told it just flows up a bit better and that that is nice to see and i think i've said this before like there's a lot of filmmakers and you you absolutely said it that try to ape the scorsese isms and without, without the, without sort of the fundamental understanding, or, yeah, though, understanding of yeah. what how that builds and how that's put together and and also we should mention Thomas Goomaker as the editor who really yes. does extraordinary work and has done many 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 editors films. are in many ways like unsung heroes in the film industry because they, they do so much and so much of what they do is attributed to the yeah. director in question and oh, it's no, like I, I think Scorsese is a like as in has mentioned in many interviews yeah. how important Helm is a, a recognised uh, like, force of nature greats, like, mm-hmm. absolutely one of the greats and I think that adds a huge amount to it Mm-hmm. I'd be intrigued. Uh, I think the King of Comedy and the Colour of Money next. They are next. And Lush Order, both of them. Who is De Niro in the King of Comedy as well? Yes. Okay, interesting. I'll see if I can probably get to one this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I think I might do. And then, um, yeah, we shall see. I'm excited. Mm. Uh, they, 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 they're really good. Uh, Ron's a huge fan of the King of Comedy as well. Interesting. And that is more of a kind of a, is it a comedic thing or is that just... It's like a darker things? comedic thing. Okay. And cool. Quite prescient and kind of ahead of its time in a lot of ways I'm fascinated to see where you come I think, I think you'll like it 
I, 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 I'm, I have full belief that you're going to be raving about it next time. Oh, excellent. Super. Okay, so then the only the other two things I watched were rewatches, um, Crimson Tide, which I believe we talked about fairly at length last week. But um, all I will point out is that the Squire Scott hashtag I love Tony Scott so much. Yeah, and it's like everything we were saying last week, like that kind of particularly choppy, frenetic style, and the way everything is lit so particularly, yes. and all of these the close-ups reds, the of like intense, sweaty, like high-stakes characters, and you're just Great like great oh, actors I love everywhere. It. I love it. Character actors to beat the band. Like yeah, this would be such for them, like. a good film for Pointless. Yeah, I, I, you know, if there's Tony Scott films ever on Pointless, if we ever mm-hmm. get on Pointless, I'm gonna kill it. Yeah, but the one thing I will single out is like just I love Denzel in this. I really do. Like Denzel is great in everything, or at least I don't think I've ever seen him in anything I, he's where he pretty isn't great. great. Um, but just like the authority and the the integrity that he invests in this character is really something especially when you're well. like, yeah not, especially when not, you're playing like, next to a seasoned great like yeah, Gene yeah. Hackman yeah. and is in I think for Hackman as well because that character could so easily have just become like a weird caricature like the just the way the two of them sort of brood against each other and the yeah. way both of them are so uncompromising and so fixated and Oh, it's just magnificent. Isn't it? Together. And I love the music from it too. I think yeah. it might be my favourite Zimmer score. Well, I did get a Zimmer which is pointless something? answer with Crimson Tide last week. On Brilliant. Pointless, just to say, uh, alongside Taffin, mm-hmm. uh, Pointless fans. I ha- am, however, every time I watch this, I'm always deeply disappointed in Viggo Mortensen's character. And when Denzel sort of pauses Betrayals. and stares him down, oh, I gives feel him such a stare, it in right? my soul. And so I'm does like, Viggo, in fairness, though. Those you? eyes bore into him. Like, how <laughs> dare you? But yes. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I rewatched is A Christmas Prince, noted Netflix masterpiece, and I will not hear another word against it, uh, which I really love because I it's like it. I ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, but it's ridiculous in just the most heartwarming way. Like, I mean, if you want something that is purely disposable fluff for an hour and a half, that represents a really idealized view of a lot of things that in reality would be very problematic, then um, yeah, this is this is your game. No, Plus, maybe name it a country, Grace, because I have Aldovia. Aldovia, which is an it. EU member state. Let us remember. Yes, we do because the Euros wasn't that it? That was confirmed it's kind of in the like, sequel. Yeah, 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 the weirdest sequel ever, if I remember correctly. You had like <laughs> so strange socialism, strain of socialism, and everything it was yeah. very odd. Like people stealing, somehow just stealing from the entire nation of Aldovia, and nobody notices <laughs> no. this. Like nobody they thought have to too check much money, points. Aldovia, uh, and that, and Amber just writing the word fishy in a notebook, like it was supposed to mean something. The worst it's, journalist. Oh, ever. it's a wonderful. I love it. It is, yeah. No, it's great fun. I really like the first one. Uh, I kind of loved the second one. I remember you telling me that when you watched the first, like Jay, you have to watch the second one. It's amazingly weird. And it's it so was amazingly bad, weird, but yeah. so good. And I'm on board when, whenever, as you complained about this week, Netflix. Will I demand to know when the third one is coming out because I, I love them. I will be all over it. Like they're kind of high class trash. But they're great high class trash. And I will hear nothing against a good trashy home no, no. movie. I, I, and this I, I is like Netflix's like. version of it. Yeah, yeah. I think I might do another mini season in November where I watch the trashy Christmas movies on Netflix. Also, Grace wrote an article for us on about the uh, crash, God, trashy Christmas them. films and it's really good. I and them. I know a couple of people that watch films because of it. Excellent. That uh, makes me happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's me pretty much. I have been watching the Manhunt Unabomber show on Netflix but I haven't finished it yet so I'll probably talk about that once I have all of the episodes watched. Deadly. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, Take it away. I've also watched casinos, but we've already talked about that, and I love it. Um, I've had a, an interesting week, uh, movies, movies wise. Um, I've watched John Wick Three, and I'm sorry, oh, Grace. This there's is some my hot revenge. takes incoming, people. Uh, in fairness, though, there's a couple of things I kind of like 
John Wick the first one mm-hmm. I thought the fanfare for it was a little over the OTT mm-hmm. uh, but I enjoyed it to a certain point uh, I didn't think the second one was very good I enjoyed moments of it and points of it but I didn't it's like yeah and I wasn't particularly enamoured with the idea of watching the third one in the in that kind of sequelitis diminishing return sense uh, so I watched it um, and I thought it was kind of terrible um, <laughs> kind of terrible you used a much harsher expression it's dog shit <laughs> yeah. no actually uh, I described the series like the series of it to some degree because I in the proportionate uh, response to them compared to the actuality of them in my opinion is bizarre like I I I, I said this if like they're they're Steven Seagal films without Keanu Reeves like they're directed <laughs> to video Steven Seagal films from the last decade I wouldn't Reeves. necessarily go that far I think but I, I do recognise that it depends on your willingness to buy into the sort of inner mythology of that yes, world and I don't especially think in the second one like I mean the way to my mind the way that world was sort of enhanced and expanded upon worked really well for me but if you don't go with that then you you obviously will just be like yeah no what's this yeah and because I, it really like it dials it up to 90 then and the it third does. one and like, it takes, but it, vision quests in the desert it and takes everything. it so seriously mm-hmm. that there's so little room for humour and maybe the film themselves understand how kind of funny they are or how, fun, how kind of winky they are about it but there's no sense of it from when I'm watching them that they do get that mm-hmm. and I know people say they do and I I can see that they they see it but like it's just like to me there's like there's a small bit of Blade Runner there's a bit of Skyfall there's a bit of whatever and it just it just, like Keanu's great. Like mm-hmm. I've I've loved Keanu and everything pretty much. He's he's pretty, he's a fantastic lead, and he gives yeah. it his all here. Everything else just I just don't care, and I like it's an it's a relatively mindless action film. So I I I'm trying not to be too hard on it. Like, mm-hmm. but it, it's more about the the these are the greatest films ever kind of takes that really irk me. Yeah. Um, because they're not, as far as I can see it, they're not bad. Some of the action scenes are very well put together. It's technically really impressive in a lot of points, but mm-hmm. it, it seems to be in love with how technically impressive it is, as opposed to moving the film on in ways that it, and it just... The aesthetics in them are gorgeous, though. They like, are. I mean, the way they've been visually imagined and then yeah. realised, I think, is really next level and that probably has a lot to do with the reputation that they've acquired because they look so gorgeous like it's not just it's not something that you're just watching for the action although that's a very satisfying part of it it's that the entire world that you're inhabiting is so sumptuous and so rich that you can just really get lost in it like you never really feel bored yeah I mean, you know, most of us. I but can see, I, mean, no, I, can I, can see, see I can see where you're coming from in the sense that, like, one of the reasons I loved the first one was the simplicity of it in many ways. Yeah. Like, it was a very that's linear what makes it the best thing. story. Like a to B, that's it. Yeah, and, and, like, kind of just ends at a good point, begins at a good point. Everything that happens along the way is sort of assured and there's a reason for it and there's no kind of, you know, what's the expression from, from like, gaming? Like, a side plot or side yeah, yeah, quest, yeah. whatever side you want to call quest, it. Yeah. Um, which is obviously something that they lean into a bit more in the second and third one, so... You know, I can see why that would be alienating for some. I did like that part of the second one. Um, and I did like the third one, not as much as the previous two, because I thought it did go a bit OTT at times. But the stuff that I liked about it, I really liked. So, um, yeah, yeah, but I, I do see where you're coming from in the sense there probably is a little too much reverence around them. But I feel like that happens with 
so many films these days that it's actually you know and i don't want to be like one of those mean people who's like you people are all overreacting but sometimes you do just think there are many films in the world and i appreciate that this one seems to have spoken to you in a very particular way and that's great but like there yeah and i think keanu does have a certain you know like populist um, no, populist like, is the wrong word. Popular pop- yeah. appeal, um, which adds to it. But yeah, sometimes I think people can sort of double down on these things in ways that's just a, probably a bit, you know, exaggerated. I, I'm looking at going, these fights are really technically well staged. Mm-hmm. But then there's only so, so many times you can see somebody shot in the head in a black uniform yeah. thing. Like there's like a hundred of them. And it's like, I'm just, it beat me down with its repetitiveness. Like, and I, 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 like, oh, I, by the end of it, like for every final boss thing, I just got, so, I'm so tired. But I love reasoning. Like, it's great. Um, mm-hmm. But no for this. No for this film. Where's my fucking crank sequel is my question, <laughs> which are infinitely better films. But anyway, I'll, I'll stop ranting. Right. There's uh, a fiery take of the week. Jesus. Oh. Anyway, I have uh, one there. I'll skip that because it's in the top 10. Um, with Harry Met Sally. Was it the one that begins with O yes. and ends with H? It might. Right. Okay. When Harry, Harry Met Sally. An iconic masterpiece of cinema. One of the great, great, Great films. I uh, love it. I've seen it. I don't know many times at the stage. Uh, One of the great, great screenplays. But Nora Ephron's screenplay is the. It's up there with literally any other screenplay that's ever been written. The writing in it is sublime. Like the dialogue, the quotes are so good. Oh, I love it. And uh, I love that this is one of those films that when you haven't seen it in a while, you almost forget how good it is. Yeah. And then you sit and watch it and you're like, it passes in like a breeze. Yeah. And it's, it's like, wonderful. it's so well cast. There's four main characters in essence, which is Crystal and Meg Ryan, we're the main kind mm-hmm. of protagonists. Then you've got Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher, who are sensational. Oh. And they're sensational together. I love when the scene where they all get together to kind of yeah, play I was just gonna say. It's just extraordinary because... Like, and the guy's like, I wrote that. Yeah, like, yeah. What? But it's like neither the two find the other two interesting in any way, shape, form. It's like mm-hmm. you know, this is the reason I became a reporter, but that's not important right now. And it's all quiet and awkward. And then yeah, uh, Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher hook up, and it's like amazing. And then the split screen, split screen phone call when uh, when Harry and Sally get together and you know they're ringing <laughs> each other. And it's like who's that? It's Jane Fonda, the VCR. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's amazing. It's technically really brilliantly done, and unbelievably well written the direction mm-hmm. of it the, it's funny it's sad it soars at certain that points that symptom is fucking it's, my wife yeah exactly it. it's one of the great lines isn't it <laughs> and then you know the the moving guy you know when he's the, the, the Mexican wave in the background <laughs> when he's playing it's extraordinary but like just the, the staging of that yeah, like this perfectly a, banal weird. conversation in the middle of this like wider yeah. event yeah. you're just like oh but you know all that is like baby fish mouth there's so much stuff the wagon wheel coffee table the I'll even the, the iconic kind of uh, orgasm they don't scene make Sundays says a huge amount. Of God. Like, yeah, yeah, the, the days we underpants, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But even like the iconic scene of the 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 thing, like it it gets at something really important, like mm-hmm. about how men view the world and how women view the world. Yeah. And I and like the cliche of it in terms of everybody's seen it to death, and the, I'll have a cheese having line. Everything is great, and it's a great payoff. But the actuality of it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think it kind of gets forgotten within the yeah, the, the like fame the, of it, like the wider context yeah, yeah. of their conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Of guys who are think they're supreme rulers of the world in that regard. Well, every and guy may, I know swears it's never happened to him, and every woman I know has done it. So you do, you do exactly. <laughs> like, and it's perfect. Like, it's mm-hmm. and he, Efron kills it in that mm. regard. Like it, it, I love it. I, I've seen it. I've done it many times. It's a cure for ails you. Like it's it one is. of those films that it's if, I, if I'm sick of an afternoon, 
not that I'm ever sick really but if I was it's the perfect just sit in the couch <laughs> for the sake of an afternoon the vignettes with the older people too I love yes. them and it's I especially like a love mini Greek chorus kind of thing yeah like, I especially love that old couple where it's like I thought he was coming over to talk to my friend Maxine because yeah. people were always, always crossing rooms to, to talk to my to friend Maxine, Maxine. <laughs> but he, he was coming to talk to me and I'm just like oh god it's so cute <laughs> Even me with my massive black void where yeah. my heart should be, I'm like, that is adorable. And I like that Harry and Sally are in the last yeah. bit of that thing to kind of set themselves into that spot. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's, it's... Yeah, I'm going to be 40 in eight years. <laughs> but it's there. Someday. <laughs> Someday. But oh, yeah. so good. Oh, and I love Meg Ryan. It, it's forgotten how great she is and yeah. was mm-hmm. uh, as an actress. And Billy Crystal's great as well. It, it's fabulous. It's absolutely There's fabulous. not a, a bad note anywhere in it. I'm proud to partake of your pecan pie. <laughs> That's all i got to say about that. Oh, I, I know it. it's not especially politically correct. No, I mean, age. it's... You know, no, no, no. It's I'm referring to one specific joke, but one that my sister and I quote a lot and we probably but, shouldn't and, and people would judge us if they heard us, but it's the one where he's like, oh, we were going to an Ethiopian restaurant and I said, oh, we'll order two empty plates. But that's a great stand-up line. That's a real Billy Crystal stand-up line from the time, though. And so 80s funny. Ethiopian jokes were a thing, yeah. sadly. But anyway, yeah. I love it. I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. And I'll Excellent. Six months from now, I'll be talking about it again in the podcast because I love watching it. Again. It's a great New Year's Eve movie. Yes. For obvious reasons. It had to be. Ah, the quickening of steps as he runs and realizes, oh, it's so gorgeous. This is why, like, Harry, you say these things and you make it impossible for me to hate you. A Bruno Kirby up in the. I'll kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. It's so honorable oh, and I weird. It. I love Bruno Kirby. He's so great. Oh, Jesus. Although, Good times. The last one is like, you know, although I asked her when where she was when. Kendi was shot. He's like, Ted Kendi's being shot. <laughs> anyway, that's or it. Or the one, you know how um, Carrie Fisher's character has like the list of married men. It's like yeah. he's never going to leave his wife. And think he, none of us think he's <laughs> ever going to leave his wife. Right, or the way it. she like bends down the corner. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's married. Yeah, that's it. Done. <laughs> he's right. okay. I love Carrie Fisher. Yeah. She's so good. Anyway. Oh, God, so good. And anyway, yeah. Somehow moving on from that yes. glorious piece of work. Um, took a, a, a leaf out of Ronan's book and watched one of the movie coming towards um ending disappearing so Shout out to Ronan at the yes he's, he's good at these kind of things and i watched a documentary last night called here we drown algerians uh here we drown algerians from i think 17th of october 1961 it's called oh uh this is a documentary look at um a shameful moment in the past in france in the colonial sense, where those Algerian protests at the Algerian War in mm-hmm. in Algeria, and there was curfews in Paris, and people would this be around it. the same time as the Battle of Algiers. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. would be this is uh, sixty one, so we were still this was ongoing at that stage. Yeah, okay. And and it was freedom for Algeria, and a lot of Algerian citizens were and kind of French citizens with kind of mix of people immigrant uh, population and stuff who went on the streets past curfew to protest. For a couple of nights, and the essentially, and here we drown. The title is taken from a lot of uh, police basically threw them into the scene, threw people in the scene, and they oh died. Lord. There were sixty bodies, I think sixty something bodies within the couple, a month after the fact found. Oh and the pe and it was like it's talking heads documentary where a lot of relatives, wives, uh, kids were the talking about, and behind. the people that were in there, and the people that got lucky who were brought, driven along the scene to be thrown, literally thrown in, and police superintendents came past like where are you going you're in the wrong way and they followed them they, that's the only reason they lived mm-hmm. anything that it, like the talking heads are very good um and it's a really sober look at kind of the stain on colonial history mm-hmm. um the 
there's a couple of issues uh there's a lack of real closure in some ways and that's probably because of how governments tend to bury a lot of this yeah. stuff and well i was just gonna say i think that's, that's probably important because like i don't think it is ever going to be possible to fully no, wrap up the i don't think so ongoing never-ending implications of colonial and particularly oppression. in france like so. where you get algerian kind of like uh zinedine zidane's algerian descent mm-hmm. and was captain of france and that i remember there was an issue around that when of course when he headbutted uh, the italian player and stuff like you know we didn't have the french uh spirit yeah that kind of stuff and um the other the other issue i had like there's a minimal footage and a lot of it's photographs and stuff which it was 61 so you know you get what you get like you mm-hmm. know you get kind of kind of radio broadcast kind of things and news kind of footage it, which is fine but it doesn't quite tell the whole story in the way that you would hope it would yeah it, but it, it's time sensitive to some degree it's but it's, it's really interesting i really liked it um and these kind of stories coming out into the spotlight are very important i think yeah uh, well worth watch uh, and the last one I'll mention because I thought it'd be in the top 10 I'd hoped it'd be in the top 10 but it's not and I saw it yesterday which is the Pedro Almodovar film uh, Pain of Glory and I absolutely love this this is in my top 10 of the year at the moment um, wow storm straight in I've complained before in the podcast about trailers for films from abroad mm-hmm. tend to be really broad and well, they try to obscure the fact that they're, they're not in English. Yeah, which is bizarre. But mm-hmm. this one is less than that because Almodovar is a bit of a brand in and of himself. Yeah. But even the trailer still is hokey as shite. And I wasn't really... It really tells you nothing about no. what the film's going to be like. No, like it doesn't I, sell I was it convinced. I had very kind of set preconceptions going into the cinema. And particularly when the film is about an older filmmaker, you think, oh, here's the, 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 the Almodovar Vanity Project thing. Uh-huh. And it couldn't be further from that, in fact. I am... Um, it's it's really a film about kind of an older man looking back on his own kind of life but not it's not a vanity thing it's he's looking back on his own weird little regrets and um things like it's basically if you keep looking back it prevents you from moving forward and fixing yourself and but wanting to do that but not quite sure how to do it Mm-hmm. And he's quite weak in it. Like he's literally has vi- he has like joints issues and stuff. He can barely stand up a lot of the time. And and Spanderas being actually superb, which can't cure the fact that he's still devastatingly handsome even at that age with kind of pepper grey hair and beard and stuff yeah. like you know he looks fantastic. But he's just kind of I want to move on. There's a a film one of his early films has been kind of brought into a retrospective and the actor who hasn't spoken in thirty two years because he fell out at the on the screen. So he meets up with him to kind of say, let's present this film. And the actor introduces him to drugs because, you know, <gasps> you know, and because he's, he's he discovers heroin at an older age. Oh, dear. Um, that does not bode but well. But he uses the heroin to kind of just zone out and think about his younger life and his younger life where his mother kind of in this really small village living in literally a cave, kind of cave house where they kind of struggle to kind of get by. And Penelope Cruz plays the mother, plays really, really well. And... It's a it's really a story about kind of regret and and about sexual awakening. There's no real sense that he's gay initially, mm-hmm. but he is. And then there's this kind of story about a former partner comes back into his life and kind of wakes him up, but not in a I'm gonna be the great director again. It's just more about trying to live and trying mm-hmm. to move forward. It's really really interesting. I found it very moving. I found the editing is very fragmented and I think it's done deliberately in the kind of the way memories are 
that it all kind of drips back and forth towards you like and that you kind of forget things oh, I like and things the sound come back. Of that. I, I think you'd really like it. I think I'm I'm a real sucker for that kind of story though because I I do like films that tap into that sort of contemplative yeah. sensation and, and phases that come over us because I think it's a very human thing to yeah. get sort of like and it can happen to you at any age but I suppose you're more naturally inclined to do it when you're a bit older yeah. like you constantly find yourself looking back on things and reliving certain memories and because I think especially as time goes on you become so much more conscious of how different things in your life have shaped you and I think sometimes as well as you get older you can look back on certain behaviours or experiences that you would have had and and you can understand why you experienced them the way that you did or why you reacted to something the way that you did in yeah. a way that you mightn't have been able to at the time oh, so yeah, and I think like something like this um, which I know I haven't seen it but like the way you describe it um, and that sort of fragmentation and kind of you know this this sort of loose feeling to it yeah. all that really lends itself to it because it's yeah. like you get little snapshots of an overall truth and you just sort of start piecing them together to make sense of your yeah. your own narrative like it's I do I think film is a really good medium for, for yeah. stories like that and I tend to really like stories like that and for it, that reason editing is great that way as well mm -hmm. because if you can match your edit with your thematical mm -hmm. kind of ideas like oh, it absolutely. works tremendously so well, because you're really pitching at a certain thing. Um, it's very, very good. It's in. It's on the iPhone. It's on the lighthouse as well, Grace. Oh, excellent! Uh, if you can get to it, I'd heartily recommend it. It's. I think it's number four or five of my films of the year. I loved it. Absolutely loved Super. it. Um, very, very good. That's my recommendation of the week. And also our don't judge a film by its trailer of the week. <laughs> yes. Well, I tend to not because of... Uh, I know, for, for uh, various reasons. For various because I've it, done it, it before. Because Dogman did it last year and Rona said, you have to go and see it really like that. And it was my number two film of the year. Mm -hmm. So there you go. I, it just I, annoys me sometimes when you see a film and you think, man, this could be really interesting, but this trailer is just not selling yeah, it know, whatsoever, know. you know? It's a weird thing and we, we can hope it gets better, but we'll, yeah. we shall see. Well, that's anyway, good. Excellent. That's us. Let's move on to the movie news. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, interesting, <laughs> interesting news today, actually, and genuinely interesting news uh, on the basis of the 10 strong films for official competition at the BFI London Film Festival. There is uh, two Irish films. Excellent. Uh, so that's 20% of the, the market. That's Give me all that. Uh, There's a Joe, metaphor in there. Well, I think so, yeah. <laughs> we should, it would be nice if it was 48%, but anyway, that's a different, <laughs> different conversation. Uh, Joe Lawler and Christine Malloy's Rose plays Julie, and oh Christ, it's a Polish director. Here we go. Malgar Zatza Sumzovskas. Jeez, I'm sorry. <laughs> the other lamb, uh, which both will compete. I'm not doing that name again. Uh, Just say we apologize. <laughs> in a refreshing change to the competition, uh, our competitions in film festivals in general, 60% of films made by fem female filmmakers, including oh, uh, Lingua Franca from Isabel Sandoval, who's the first transgender director to compete in official competition. Excellent. So this is That's really good. good to see. Yeah. Um, and Rose Plays Julie is a, a, a film about a, an adopted girl who seeks out her birth mother only to be told by to be told that her mother has no desire to meet her okay. uh, and under she sets out from Dublin to London in effort to confront her birth mother which sounds, sounds interesting and yeah it does yeah it uh, stars Anne Skelly who was in Kissing Candice and very good in it and with support from Orla Brady and Aidan Gillen who will produce one of his accents uh, I'm sure Hopefully that's still going. Gillen, uh, Jesus and that's for Samson films, which uh, sounds really interesting. And Judah Lamb is a tale of a woman raised by a repressive cult. Oh, interesting. Led by a charismatic patriarch who uh, who grows skeptical of his leadership after a supernatural event that begins to challenge his teachings. My favourite cult storyline is still the one from Home and Away several years back. Oh, okay. I'm just going to say, none of you are ever going to top that. 
I would agree with that. I haven't seen it, but I, I'm going to go with that. But uh, it stars Rafi Cassidy from Vox Lux, mm-hmm. Mike, Mich- Michelle Hoosman from The Haunting of Hill House. Oh. Yeah, who's very good. And Irish actor Denise Goff starring the lead roles. Interesting um, cast. Yeah. Too shabby. So, yeah, yeah they're, they sound really interesting. And to see two films in the thing, it's really good in the London Film Festival. And I'm sure they're going to be very popular. And it takes place from 2nd of October, Wednesday, 2nd of October, till. Uh, whatever day the 13th of October is I can't remember Wednesday I'm going to say Wednesday Godspeed to all involved 2nd to the 13th anyways. excellent who can remember days uh, I think the 12th is a Friday so so Saturday yeah thanks for, thanks for saving no. me from days maybe it's a Thursday never mind none You've of us know what day it is you made a mess of a grace yeah let's just move on <laughs> Jesus Christ anyway, we the, can't do dates the full uh, London Film Festival lineup is announced tomorrow the Thursday the 29th of October fab October it's a August Jesus Christ anyway, <laughs> we're lost we have no idea some days everyone will know the films are playing just not today and Godspeed to them all yes um, another thing Colin Farrell has launched a production company oh yes I saw some some chatter about this Chapel Place Productions Chapel and he's team, teaming up with uh, former Element Pictures producer Lee Magaday interesting uh, who produced the f- uh, favourites and He's going to do a adaptation of Irish filmmaker, Irish writer Dervla McTiernan's first novel, The Rune. Set in Galway follows a detective who was thrown back into a case from 20 years ago. Involved the Rune. The Ruin. Ruin. Oh, sorry. I thought you said Room. I was oh, like, as distinct from Room. A sequel. Um, involving two children whose mother died of an overdose. Oh, uh, God. So the heart, dark heart Again, of Ireland, heavy. police corruption, abuse of the church, etc., etc. This sounds grim but it might be good uh, grim but possibly if it handled appropriately then yeah. um, it could be very good and uh, Farrell is in charge of the production company with his sister and production is set to take place in and around Galway lovely uh, a so fine part of the country I like I like Colin Farrell actually I think he's really good I presume I think he's he really might coming to his own the past couple of years like he's having I know that sort of sense of somebody having a renaissance in their career yeah. sort of Almost a cliche at this stage, but I think he has. Just I think all the Colin Farrell looks great. The kind of beard and slightly mm-hmm. kind of hangdog expression. Yeah, and I think he's also gotten to that age now where he can sort of inhabit that. He can bring that ruggedness to roles yeah. in a way that doesn't distract from from the subject matter. Yeah, I really like him in the two Yorgos Lanthimos films. Mm-hmm. He's in um, Killing the Sacred Deer and The Lobster. He does really, really great work in them, mm-hmm. and fascinating kind of face. And Lanthimos knows just how to use him. And when, yeah. he's, and when the director gets hold of something like that, it's really good to see. But uh, I'll keep an eye out on this one. Sounds interesting. Uh, six Irish companies have been successful in the latest round of Creative Europe Media Slate Development and Video Games for them. Video Games, eh? I know. Should have applied that. Damn it. You know, video games, sometimes the narrative in them is the closest thing you're going to get to a movie that isn't That's a movie. True. Uh, with 19 companies, Ireland had the second highest number of applicants after France with 33. Goddamn French. As usual, the Frenchies. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. They did all right. Uh, Samsung Films, Underground Films, Wild Atlantic Pictures and Film and Music Entertainment were awarded uh, Slate Development Funding. And in video games terms, Time Slip, Softworks and Psychic Games. I don't know anything about Well, I do know a bit about games, but not, not, not enough to, I'm to talk about it like, either, I'm, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. like I'm a pro or anything. But uh, it sounds interesting enough. But um, yeah, well done all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lastly, Deadpan Pictures are seeking applicants from female directors with interest in a shadow directing opportunity for their upcoming production, The South Westerlies. Interesting. Uh, it's an hour-long comedy drama that was shoot from mid-September to mid-November. Um, 
it sounds interesting. Uh, the object is to provide participants with ex experience in prep, shoot, and post-production for a TV drama series, and ultimately to help increase the number of future productions directed by female talent, and we can all welcome that. Excellent, yes. Uh, it's not a training scheme, but a shadow and opportunity is not open to entry-level talent, for fuck's sake. Anyway. None of them ever are. No. Uh, interest I candidates. always find it curious how many times they're like, yes, we need to increase the number of women or, you know, what, whatever group we're trying to increase their participation in this. But we are going to put these absolutely ridiculous barriers in place that take no account of the difficulties that this group of people has in uh, getting there in the first in place. In fairness to this particular thing, I think because it's, a, I imagine, a low budget kind of thing, you have to have somebody that's up and running to a certain degree. Uh -huh. I, I think in terms of... Uh, Green Ireland and all those kind of things. I think they certainly should be starting at the the ground floor to get experience. I completely agree. We but this one, uh, interest candidates must have directed at least one short film that has had a festival theatrical release or TV broadcast. And to apply, please email info at Deadpan Pictures by Friday, August thirtieth. Good luck now. So none of us are in that. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> also, that's the day after tomorrow. <laughs> oh crap! Yeah. Well, enjoy it anyway. Whoever gets to it. Good luck now. <laughs> right. I think we've moved on. Let's let's go on to the top ten. Are you ready for the top ten, Grace? No, but when am I ever Are ready for the top ten? Are any of us ever truly ready for the top ten? Psychologically 10? and spiritually ready for this? Yes, let's do it. I'm ready. Right. At number ten, your favorite film of the year, Grace. Spider Man. Angry Birds movie two. Oh. No, it's not. I'm joking. Uh, that is, <laughs> but no, that is at number ten. It's made half a million quid. Kids movies. The summer is ending. Exactly, kids are back to school uh, this will be the end of that they'll, they'll start to slip out of top 10 I will reiterate that I had no idea this was even happening until it came up in the context of the top 10 a Half week or two ago a million quid lads I know don't know just don't know at 9 a film that I wish I'd seen this week compared to the other film I saw this week Crawl uh, which looks like great fun mm -hmm. um, just the Alexander Adia film about a uh, I'm going to try and see this sometime. A woman attempt to save her father during a Category 5 hurricane find herself trapped in a flooding house and must fight for her life against alligators. Brilliant. What more do you want to film that? Uh, it's made 38,000. I don't know how long this is going to be in because this is the first week so get to it yeah. soon if you're going to get to it. I feel like it, it seems very much like it might last for another week and then we'd lose it already. Yeah, so, I, think, yeah. I think that's probably fair. I'll try and get um, to it over the weekend People maybe. seem to have liked it anyway but yeah, I don't know how long we've got to get to see it but I do want to see it. Um, speaking of kids films, at 8, Toy Story 4 just refuses to go away 5.7 millions I saw a young lad on the escalator earlier dropped his sporky magnet someone retrieved it ah. and gave it back to him or spork yeah. or whatever it's called yeah. so yeah I'm going to say forky forky sporky sporky the we care the majig yeah the little thing with the, the face yeah uh, the spork with the face yeah but uh, yeah, it's done well. Um, we'll probably have to read this as being in the top 10 for the next few weeks. Yeah, uh, but you know, back to school and we start drift away. But 5.7 million, it's, I think it's huge. It's so I think it's one of the biggest <gasps> artist films, our biggest films in Ireland ever. Gosh. Which is terrifying. Uh, at seven, scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh, I also want to see this. Yes, me too. Uh, this made 56,000. Um, and this from the director of Trollhunter, um, which I really liked, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and this sounds really interesting. And the reviews have been solid enough, I think. Um, but again, this might be like Crawl. You need to kind of get moving if you want to see it. Yeah. You might get another week or two out of it. But, um, then maybe don't don't wait just to be on the safe side. Well, I think so. I mean, you know, these things are important. Uh, it's nice to see them as new entries in the top 10, though. So it no, no, it's sort of shook up a little bit. Yeah. No, it is. A little bit. And that doesn't hurt. At six, a film that's been around forever, uh, Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw, which Grace still hasn't seen. I'll get to it. Will you, though? I mean, at this stage, I probably won't, but yeah. 
like I said, I, I think last week and possibly even the week before, I, you know, th- these are spin-off characters as far as yeah. I'm concerned. So, But it's, is this yeah. not part of canon? Like, no? I mean, it probably is, but they're not the original kind of core group. So I don't feel as invested in them. Yeah. But I probably will watch it at some stage. I'm just not necessarily rushing out to go and see it in the cinema. Well, it's made 1.6 million and it's probably going to be knocking around for a couple of weeks. So, you know, Grand. I'll be asking you for another couple of weeks again. Of, uh, Come question. like the beginning of October, I'll be like any day now. Any, any, day, any day now. Off yeah. I go. Uh, yeah. At five, Dora the Explorer, Lost City Gold, which has been doing okay. Uh, also tend to forget this is out. 330,000. Uh, doing pretty decent and the reviews are solid enough. I think this might hang on for a little bit as well, actually, because it's kind of a mixed age kind of uh, thing. It's not too young an age group that's aimed for so I think there's a bit more kind of scope for it to kind of hang around for a little bit possibly but you know time will tell mm-hmm. right four good boys um, this no. is the Jacob Tremblay starring film about a group of teenagers embarking <laughs> on epic quest and stuff yeah teenage boys and you know to fix their broken toy before the parents go it's like risky business for kids mm-hmm. uh, which is you should have put in the poster actually really good I've got to take that God damn it. When you put that on a poster, risky business for kids. <laughs> yeah. This There's your right. tagline, people. 378,000. This is done okay, I think. Um, but not the proper money that the next film has made. Uh, three. The Lion King. Roar, etc. Um, six million. No. No? Just no. That's all I have to say in relation no. to that. Thing Another is, thing that feels like it's been out forever and just why? I don't care. Uh, I saw the trailer for it. Just don't care. It's no looks, interest. It looks god awful, to so, be quite honest. No. With you. And it doesn't need my money, clearly. It doesn't. So, uh, so it's not going to get it. It's surviving it. well enough with Ashes. And I won't get it. Uh, not at all. Uh, at two, Angel Has Fallen. Jesus, really? Yeah, I've seen the first one Gas. of this. Uh, Olympus Has Fallen. Is that, would that be right? It's shite. Um, I, don't know who, I don't know who goes to these. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apparently, this installment... If yes. word on the Twitters is to be believed is not too bad okay. whereas the previous two everyone says are completely irredeemable so maybe okay. it's like a Fast and Furious thing maybe it'll gradually get better that's if you believe that of course Grace <laughs> I do believe it I know and I'm allowed do. to believe that because I've seen all of them whereas you've only seen three four four whatever again it's all uphill for you are people liars maybe that's no. all I'm saying no we're not uh, so yeah go and see Angels Fallen go and see whatever fast version you want <laughs> but don't expect to believe anyone things get better over time yeah. you fool <laughs> and that one Once Upon a Time in Hollywood go for it Jay. which has made 1.5 million which is remarkable actually I'd say that's that's Ick. pretty strong uh, for an 18 certificate film lasting these three hours um, I saw this during the week which I did say last week I would get to and I did and I didn't like it and what really annoyed me about how much I didn't like it is that this the area the area it's set in and the story it's telling is ripe for uh, reinvention mm-hmm. uh, looking at kind of perception about a modern day sensibility at a time in Hollywood where flux takes place so it's 1969 at the time of the Manson take uh, the murders this feels like you could do something with that to, to, to make a comment on something and there, I mean people love this film there's been a lot of um, positive word in it and 
the issue I have around that is that there's various things uh, ascribed to it, mostly around that this is the most mature film Tarantino's made since uh, Jackie Brown, which is complete bollocks, I have to say, <laughs> because I love Jackie Brown and I think I, I like think, I think it's pretty yeah. terrific. And I think the maturity issue around that is it's 20 years ago maturity as opposed to I think the people that call this mature haven't moved on from the Jackie Brown era to some degree. I don't like and this, I suppose, in comparison to, say, Death Proof or The Hateful Eight may well feel that way. But to me, this feels tired and reactionary and a little exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've no real issue with any of the performances, which are really good. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Margot Robbie does really interesting things with Sharon Tate in the very, very limited time she has in the film. She doesn't get to do a huge amount except to look pretty, and she does look pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Pitt has that kind of slightly freewheeling role that he's had in Burn After Reading and True Romance, where he's kind of goofing around the place, kind of reacting to stuff, which I he's very good at. Mm-hmm. And I like Pitt a lot in a lot of films. DiCaprio is playing DiCaprio in the sense of, I think he's good as well. Caps is a bit of a shtick these days, though. He sometimes does. I think he does some really good work here, and uh, not completely, but at certain points, um, that I quite liked. And there's a young girl whose name I can't remember that plays the kind of young actress in a film who's very good as well, but I can't, I can't think of her name offhand. And we get that, and then you get this kind of freewheeling story of kind of Hollywood uh, actors, an encyclopedic knowledge of kind of shit 1960s 70s tv Mm -hmm. that nobody should really care about it doesn't really matter i'm sure it matters to people who are over invested in showing people how much they know yeah like but we know tarantino's obsessed with the bits like we've seen tarantino's like we've all seen reservoir dogs and the like a virgin analogy and all the rest of it like i get it that he he understands pop culture and he understands but the problem in this day and age is that it's very hard to do that without sounding really obnoxious and mansplaining. Yeah, it, it like so we get you know like, it's I, not really a badge of honor to show people how much you know. There's a couple of things. Steve, uh, Damien Lewis plays Steve McQueen, which is bizarre, right? What? Yeah, he's watching at a party, watching uh, DiCaprio's character come Strange in. Strange. Yeah, casting. it doesn't really work. But he's talking about how he wanted to be with, with uh, Sharon Tate, and she had no interest in him or ever like, and then you get a kind of a sequence where DiCaprio is being asked his character being asked that Rick Dalton like where were you considered for the great escape and he's like no it wasn't really in the mix McQueen was going to do it but it cuts to this digital version of the, the great escape with DiCaprio's head basically digitally put on Steve McQueen's body Why? because it's you know film and recreation and like I get that Tarantino is very good at mixing up kind of stuff and wanting to play with it if you've seen the ending of Glorious Bastards mm-hmm. he like cinema saves saves Ends from the World Nazis War II. Yeah. yeah and kills Hitler and I, and I found that quite audacious at the time in a lot of ways but I think it works really well no I think Glorious it does Bastards, I think thematically what they're yeah, going yeah, for because it starts yeah. from the beginning with the I want my Nazi scalps kind of thing it, it, yeah. it like it aims for that and completes that and I, I like that mm-hmm. I really like that but I think if you know that about 45 minutes from the end you probably have a good idea where this is going in general terms and I'm not going to kind of get into it specifically but the last act doesn't really work except to be kind of represent the third shtick 
that you know I can be shocking the very and the very thing is that if you have to try to be shocking over and over there's a certain point where you just look like like it's as predictable as not being shocking because that's what you that's your bit it becomes mm-hmm. your stick and there's a thing and you're going all right but you're going to maximize the violence because you know you're Tarantino so you have to give the lads something to go home and shout about give them boners to talk about on Twitter <laughs> and there is that um and I found it tiresome mm-hmm. really really tiresome I, is is evocation of the era is really beautiful it's beautifully shot but it it's reactionary it's it's like why can't we go back to the classic Hollywood studio system when you know things were simple the lads got the acting jobs white men were directed all the films we didn't have to talk about the rape we didn't have to talk about women you could rape people who were abandoned in the films and you could have whole characters and movies that's fine. That just completely stereotyped entire nations there, there is a um, so whole thing where they were saying Tarantino is kind of examining his own career I think there's an element of that in here uh, I discussed this with Ronan uh, recently enough and I think that's there. I mm-hmm. don't think it's explored in a significant way. I think he approaches it and tiptoes away from it. So I don't I don't think you get a pass for kind of having a glimpse at something and running away. Yeah. Um for giving it a fleeting glance yeah. from across the room and kind it, of thing. You know, I there there's things in the film that are not bad. There's a scene at Spawn Ranch, if you know anything about the Manson films, uh, of what that is, an old it's basically an old Western set. Mm-hmm. that uh, they used to do westerns on that became the kind of Manson family hangout and there's a scene set there which is really good lasts about 15 minutes and it cuts through the two or three different kind of sequences within it which I really liked and, I, mm-hmm. and it felt to me like oh maybe the film is going to kick on from here it did not but I really liked that in it and there's a couple of moments that are not bad but it, in the end it's kind of all for nothing mm-hmm. like I I couldn't imagine watching this again not with a gun to my head like it it doesn't tell me anything I didn't know about Tarantino before I walked in mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And I don't really, I'm absolutely baffled by the love for it. Like, but, you know, I've been here before. This is my kind of bit, apparently. I tend to get baffled by a lot of films that uh, do this. But, you know, such is life. You know, we can't all love the the quote unquote great films. Uh, and I am quote unquote in it. You best believe I am. But uh, no, not for me. Not for me. No, no, no. no. But uh, that's such is life. Um, I know Ronan has seen it, so I will probably next time we'll get into it a bit more in discussion terms. But, but yeah, not good, not good. Grand. Let's I move on. Nothing less. Let's move on. The new releases. Are yes. you ready for the new releases, Grace? I'm ready for the new releases. Excellent, because I've seen one of the new releases as well. Oh. Uh, which is great because I'm gonna shit all over that as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the souvenir. Uh, Joanna Hogg's film. Uh, oh yes, I've seen trailers for with this. Tilda Swinton, Rich Ayode, Tom Burke, and Honor Swinton born who was Tilda Swinton's daughter. Um, I, in actual terms, I think it's worth pointing out that I haven't seen a Joanna Hogg film. Ronan has recommended a couple of them, particularly that you really, really love. I have seen one or two from back in the day, but I cannot for the life of me remember what they're actually called. Yeah, I know there's one called. I don't know. I've seen one with Tom Hiddleston in, possibly two. So I think they're Hiddleston all. I think yeah, like, most, like he was her kind of her guy. Yeah. Um and. Yes, yeah, so this was my first one, and I didn't, in some ways, I did, like I didn't want it to be the first one because I wanted to kind of get into the older films a little bit earlier. I think uh, she had an exhibition in Archipelago. I think where the, and unrelated were the previous. Oh, films. unrelated! I have seen. Yeah. Yes. I liked that actually. That was uh, good. But Ronan is a big fan of earlier stuff, so I was kind of like, "Yeah, all right, I'm down with this." And this was this played at the flat, so mm-hmm. I said I got a ticket and I want to come along and see it. 
and I thought it was kind of pants. Um, I I mean I. What is it actually about? It's because about, I I couldn't really tell from the. It's trailer. a young film student in the early eighties who becomes romantically involved with, for want of a better word, a Tory. Uh, but it is like it was a bit dodgy, right? And she kind dodgy Tory never. And she kind of grows up in this kind of world where you know she's borrowing money off her mother mm-hmm. to kind of supply. He may or may not have a drug habit and stuff like that. And well, she learns and grows as a filmmaker, kind of thing. It's I think it's quasi autobiographical for Joanna Hogg as a film, and it's a follow up actually. The the souvenir too, which Element are producing, uh, due next year weirdly, um. And I, it's one of those weird, weird films that I found about intense, intense and extremely dull. Mm-hmm. Like it, you can, I can't, I can understand there's an, a whipped up intensity to it in terms, but I, I didn't care for anybody in the film. And maybe it's a class thing or whatever. It's just, it's just rich people complaining about nothing that really bugged me. Yeah. Really, mm-hmm. really bugged me. There's really great framing. There's some great shots. And I mean, the one that's down the show where somebody disappears behind a mirror which is absolutely glorious. And there's a couple of other things that are really fascinating how it was framed. Um, and the acting is fine. Um, but I found that it's so navel-gazing and extremely tedious. And it went on forever. So just about two hours long, I think. Jesus. And I felt like I was there for about a week. Uh, I, and now I will watch That's it. never a good feeling. I will. There are early films on Criterion. I will get to them. And it doesn't put me off. Uh, I will give them a try. And like I, Ronan tells me they're good. I'll probably believe them. Because he knows his, his stuff, and well, he generally knows what I get. is good. I do remember yeah. liking okay. him a lot. So I will that, get to it, that can be my token recommendation. Well, this is a misfire for me. Unrelated. It, it, it didn't work. It is unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> um, this didn't work for me at all. Right. But now this is getting stellar views across the board. So don't listen to me. I'm. I don't know. I don't know. Like I mean, I'm on about a lot of good films that people tell me they're good, mm-hmm. and I think they're a lot of bollocks. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I doubt it because I'm. Amazing. Nobody is wrong. Everybody has their own opinion. No, some people are wrong. Many people are wrong. <laughs> yeah, many yeah. people are wrong. Yeah, because we, we we have the microphones, we can say that. Yeah. Also, I mean, I can't really say anything. I doubt I'll see this. It doesn't look very appealing to me. And no, I would. I can't say your review just there has sold me on. So I tried. I did. I thought I was going to like it. And I really, ah, well. really didn't. The important thing is, you tried. I did try. Mm-hmm. Uh, a film came out this week, uh, A Million Little Pieces, which is a James Frey memoir, which I am aware of, but though I haven't read. It's a. I think it's a story of. Uh, a young drug ad- adult writer who becomes uh, kind of going into a detox kind of centre. Right. Uh, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson who has made interesting films. Oh yes. Uh, yes she has. And starring Aaron Taylor Johnson. Our, Naturally. Our and Billy Bob Thornton and Giovanni Ribisi and Juliette Lewis. So it's actually a really That's good an cast. interesting cast. I don't yeah. know. I haven't heard much of it. This kind of snuck out. I wasn't even aware it existed until like two days yeah. ago. I can't uh, say I've heard of it now. I'm aware of the book because it, it, if you go into a second-hand bookshop, you'll find about 10 copies of it in every bookshop. It's one of those kind of books that okay. sold a lot. People read it. They're not going to read it again. Dump it into the second-hand bookstore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know yourself, you go into a second-hand video shop, you know exactly the movies that are going to be in them the same way. that That's one of the books, like the Girl Dragons, if it was going to be there yeah. and stuff like that. This one of these, uh, in the, the kind of factual kind of, memoir stuff it's always going to be there yeah um so i'm aware of it and i'm aware of the story of it but i haven't seen it as uh, i i've no even word of mouth as to whether because yeah. again i didn't know it existed but we'll see i tell me go see You'd it like Grace. i think that the cast would show promise yeah I, and i think she has a an excellent cinematic eye yeah i think this I might say. be a watch at home 
type of film I suspect won't get well also because if we haven't heard anything about it it's actually been released anywhere no it is it's in Cineworld uh, I think this week Um, I don't know how long it'll last or how much it's expected to do or if I have no idea but uh, I don't know we'll see Uh, Informer I've seen this trailer a couple of times and Joel Kinnaman doing Joel Kinnaman running around the streets looking like um, How could it go so wrong for Joel Kinnaman? That's I what I want to know. I kind of like him. He's very good in the killing, the American version of the killing. Um, but every every film I hear he of him being involved he in, really it seems like... Yeah. This is another thriller with Rosamund Pike. Oh. It was always good. Um, it is Common. a crying shame that we have Clive not given Owen. Rosamund Pike the role she deserves in a post-gone oh, girl Post-gone girl, she should have got her offered everything. But yeah. For shame. An ex-convict working undercover intentionally gets himself incarcerated again in order to infiltrate the mob in a maximum security prison. Alright. We've seen that a million times, but yeah. it could be could be okay. The trailer looked solid. Say, it, looked it, could like, be it looked like one of those Liam Neeson trailers. You know the ones there? Yeah. yeah you know, you know the this ones. This does sound like the type solid of movie, movie that Liam Neeson would show probably up Probably not great. Yeah, yeah, it has that vibe that I I I'm not going to see this in the cinema. You I must can't be say joking. I'll go out of my way to see it. Either. Speaking of another <laughs> film, and the last one of the week that I'm not going to see in the cinema, The Mustang, which I've never heard of, directed by Lord de Clermont Tonnerre. That's quite That's a name. French. There you go. Is that is that um, pronounced in the right way? Lord de Clermont Tonnerre. Yeah, yeah not bad. I guess so. Well, I'm going to take that. I guess it's a French movie, is it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Starring Matthew Schoenert, who is a fine actor, but similarly in the way that Joel Kinnaman is. Any film I watch him in, it's always shite. <laughs> uh, there's a film myself Darren saw. In Far Dublin from the Manning Park, it isn't bad. I haven't seen it. So uh, that, that's that's one to consider. Myself and Darren saw The Race on the Jailboard a couple of years ago, which is one of the worst films. Oh, I've seen I think I remember festival. you talking about yeah, that. It's appalling. And, and I know that no one here is a fan of Rustin Bohm, so I kind of like it. Oh, I don't dislike it. I thought some maybe Ronan it was Ronan hates it. Hates it. Uh, yeah. Okay, um, never mind. Then. And I don't think Darren likes it either. I kind of liked it. I don't like it. I don't love it, but I do like it. I think it's a little, they're a little harsh in it, but yeah, I can see why. Right. Um, but he's kind of he has that hulking kind of sad face kind of yeah. bit down pat, but it, it never seems to be in the films where he's he like, gets to stretch himself a little bit. He's like Viggo Mortensen of the nineties, but like sort of amped up a bit. Yeah, we go yellow like pack Viggo Mortensen and has brighter eyes. Yeah. Like, you know, Viggo Mortensen 2.0. He's a bit sleeker. Yeah. Do you want the, the story of Roman Coleman? That's a unfortunate name. A violent convict. He always plays violent convicts. Literally every film. Who was given the chance to participate in a rehabilitation therapy program involving... You ready for it? What? The training of wild Mustangs. No. Hence why it's called the Mustang. Sorry. Sally. I hope one was called Sally or it's a waste of fucking time, <laughs> really, isn't it? Here's an idea. You could just watch Mustang... The movie from yes. a few years ago. No definite article in front of it. Turkish movie. Everyone very good. Watch Mustang instead of the Mustang. It's excellent. It's brilliant. If you want I the closest it. thing to a spiritual successor to the Virgin Suicides, there you go. I would agree. Yep. Uh, it's excellent. I think that's a perfect, perfect way to finish. Don't watch the Mustang. Watch Mustang. Yes. And if there's a Sally in there somewhere, tell us all about it because there <laughs> should be. Which is, you know, yes, that's a commitment show. That's all I got. Thank you for listening, folks. Yes. All, all hail. Over an hour, but yeah, we can talk. We can talk smack. Yeah, we'll be and back. And it is mostly smack. I'll be, I'll be. We maybe take the week off next week because I have to go to a sanatorium to rest. But uh, <laughs> but once I come back, refreshed, 
Heads will roll. Uh, mental health sorted. I'm going to kill it all. Yes. For the week after uh, with, with the usual crew. We'll be back to regularly scheduled programming. Till then. Bye. Farewell. <laughs>